0: Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. Actually, it's two stories this week. The first story occurs later in the day on that very first Easter after Jesus had risen. The second story occurs an entire week later. John puts the two stories together for a reason, and we'll see that as we get through the sermon, that he tells these stories back to back to teach us something about how we're to respond to the resurrection lots of other stuff must have happened that week but john wanted us to read these two back to back so here they are beginning with the gospel of john uh, chapter 20 at verse 19. when it was evening on that day the first day of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the jews jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you after he said this he showed them his hands and his side Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you meet us in our doubt. Meet us at whatever our level of unbelief is. And Lord, help us to believe. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I was leading a youth retreat in Orlando, Florida on November the 30th, 1985. Now, you true Bama fans may recognize that as the date of the kick. I was actually in the Million Dollar Band that year, and I had gotten permission to miss going to the game so that I could leave this youth retreat. But there we were in Orlando, Florida, driving back to the hotel during the fourth quarter. We had managed to find the game on some week radio station uh it kept fading in and out on us and we had a hard time getting details but we knew that alabama and auburn kept trading the league and the excitement was building in us because back in 85 we were the underdogs in that game auburn was ranked number seven we had already had some losses and a tie and uh those were dark days for Alabama football. So we we were getting excited that we were actually playing with Auburn and we had the chance. We kept trading that lead. Uh, we pulled into the hotel parking lot and we lost the signal right near the end of the game. Only seconds left. The last score that I heard had Auburn ahead by one, 23-22. And we were out of field goal range as far as I knew when we lost radio signal. So I parked the van and sent the other chaperones and the youth on up to their rooms to get ready for our next activity while I kind of cleaned out and locked up the van. Uh, I just assumed that we'd lost. Uh, my second year being in the van, I had seen us do that way too often. I was disappointed. I was kind of heartbroken at the news. Uh, I I had get gotten so much hope that we were going to win that one, and then we didn't. I locked up the van. Before I could make it upstairs, the kids came out running and yelled downstairs to me, uh, Mr. Kevin, we, we won, we won. We kicked the field goal, 25-23, we won. I didn't believe it. I, it was too much for me to believe. I had hoped so much for it and then my hopes I had already given up before I got out of the parking lot and I just didn't believe their story. I thought they were pulling my leg. They knew what a huge fan I was, and I thought they were putting one over on me. I had to have proof. So I got upstairs and got into my room and found a station on TV or radio, I don't remember which, to where I could get my proof and get the story verified that in fact, we had one on our last second field goal. I guess that day, I was kind of a doubting Thomas. It gives me a little perspective for understanding the Thomas in today's scripture. I can kind of understand where he's coming from. This is the very first Easter. Uh, Everybody is still getting used to the reality of the resurrection. Everybody is struggling with whether or not to believe the story that the women told or that Peter and John experienced earlier in the day when they went to the tomb. They're trying to figure it out. And they're all gathered here for fear of the Jews. They're locked away, 10 of them, inside the house where they had been hiding out. But for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. And Jesus comes and stands in the middle of it. He says, peace be unto you. And then he, he says, I've got a mission for you. Now, we need to understand what's going on here. Jesus is commissioning the disciples. He is giving them the spirit. He is commissioning the disciples in a lot of ways. This is the grand finish of Jesus' earthly ministry, according to John. Uh, this is the real pinnacle of Jesus' ministry. In John's Gospel, uh, he's, he's been crucified, he's resurrected, and now he appears to uh, to give the Spirit and to send the disciples on their mission. He says, as the Father sent me into the world, now I'm sending you. And that extend to, uh, extends to us as well. Jesus is sending all of us into the world with his ministry to fulfill his mission. And then Jesus equips the disciples and all of us with three things for that mission. Uh, First, he gives them the Spirit. He breathed on them, and they received the Spirit. It reminds us a little bit of when God breathed his breath into Adam, and Adam became a human. That's that Spirit that gives life, and so Jesus enlivens us with his very presence to fulfill the mission to which he's been called. Uh, The Spirit is the same power which allowed Jesus to do everything that he did. All of Jesus' ministry was fueled by the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus gives that to the disciples. What an amazing gift. The idea that that where Jesus could only be present with them uh, at one place and one time, the Holy Spirit can be present with us in all places, at all times. And so it was an incredible gift, but that was just part of it. Jesus also gave them this gift of peace. Peace is the... Uh, It's a historical Old Testament Jewish greeting, shalom, uh, fullness of life from me to you. It doesn't depend on situations or circumstances. Peace is a gift of God, and Jesus gives it to the disciples. Now, whenever I think about peace, I'm reminded of Miss Bess. Miss Bess was a member of my second church up in Berry, just a little ways north from here. Uh, Her actual name was Elizabeth Taylor but everybody just knew her as Miss Bess. Uh, She was an inspiration to me as a young preacher. She warmed my heart every time I was around her. By the time I met her, she had already had a very difficult life. As a child, she had suffered polio. It left her crippled and in a wheelchair by the time I knew her. But she survived polio and then wound up getting married, but she married a man who wound up being abusive. At one point, Miss Bess's husband even held her at gunpoint but her marriage did give her a son, her only child she loved dearly. Well, fortunately for Bess, she was able to get out of that abusive relationship and live with her son in uh, his adult years. And he cared for her and he, he was the light of her life, but then Miss Bess lost her son to death. I can't imagine any pain worse than a parent losing a child. Bess had lived through all of that before I ever met her. And yet every Sunday when they rolled her wheelchair into the center aisle of the church there at Berry, she had a smile on her face and and she was always encouraging me. I was trying to be the pastor to her, but she always encouraged me. At the time I met Bess, she lived with her sister Alice. And she commented to me several times how grateful she was for Alice because of how much she feared going to a nursing home. After all that Bess had been through, uh, the biggest fear she had left in life was having to live out her years in a nursing home. So she was so grateful to be able to live with Alice. But during my time as her pastor, Alice had heart trouble and was no longer able to care for her sister. I remember when I got to call all these years later, I still remember they called and said, we're having to put Bess in a nursing home down here in Tuscaloosa. I was devastated because I knew that best would be heartbroken, and that broke my heart. Uh, I got in my car up in Berry, and I made the trip down Highway 43 uh, to the nursing home over in Northport. I psyched myself up going in, trying to figure out what in the world I could say as just a young preacher to this seasoned saint to encourage her. And I sat down with Miss Bess in the nursing home there and I said, how are you doing, Bess? I know you didn't want this, how are you doing? Bess looked at me and she said, Preacher, you know what? I've discovered that you can be content anywhere. And I discovered in Miss Bess's life a joy that defied her circumstances. Polio victim, domestic abuse victim, son died, institutionalized for her final years what a rough life and yet she was filled with joy that's a peace that only comes from god and that's part of the gift that jesus gave to the disciples on that first easter sunday evening so he gave them uh, he gave them the spirit he gave them peace he also gave them forgiveness now we can do a whole nother study on those on that verse there's all kind of controversy over exactly what jesus meant When he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. We can address that later. But here's what I take away from it. Jesus was going ahead and reminding the disciples of how central forgiveness is to being a Christ follower. If we follow Jesus, we must forgive. If we want to be forgiven, Jesus says, we have to forgive. And so I think at least in part, Jesus was saying to the disciples and to us, if you forgive other people then god will give you a heart of peace towards other people even your enemies you know once you forgive somebody and you can turn loose that hatred and that grudge god can give us that peace like miss had. however if we if we refuse to forgive if we hold that gift back we may find ourselves with a heart that's at war with others you know those times when We're just kind of looking for a fight. Nobody else will start one. We'll start one because we've we've got that anger and that grudge, maybe even hatred that's just pent up inside of us. So Jesus lets the disciples know as they begin their ministry that they can choose that heart of peace rather than the heart of war. The Holy Spirit enables us to live in peace and forgiveness with others. And then Jesus leaves, and Thomas shows up later. We don't know how much later, but Thomas walks in the house, and, and everybody gathers around. Can you believe it? We've seen Jesus. We, we witnessed him. He, he gave us his mission. He gave us the spirit. He gave us peace. Well, Thomas, you know he felt like he had really, had really messed up. We don't know where he was or why he wasn't with them, but he missed the very pinnacle of Jesus' ministry. He missed this incredible ending. And so he didn't want to believe it. He refused to believe the resurrection. Unless I see the nail prints in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe, Thomas says. Now that's a big deal. Thomas is doubting the resurrection. Now that's not like having a fight about drums in the sanctuary. That's not like one of our church fights about what kind of bread can we use for communion. Thomas is doubting one of the one of the essential tenets of the Christian faith for 2,000 years. We, we just said it in the Apostles' Creed a, a few moments ago. that We believe Jesus was crucified, dead, buried. On the third day, he rose again. Thomas, one of the disciples, was saying, Oh, no, I will not believe it. So Thomas is doubting the Christian faith. Now, in a lot of places, that's enough to get you thrown out of church. You go into some churches with that kind of doubt and you you will not get a warm welcome entire denominations have split over less than that but then john goes on to tell this next story the story that happens a week later in that second story john shows us how the disciples were already living out the mission that jesus gave them in the first story remember the first story go share peace and share forgiveness in the second story, we learn how they were already doing that, beginning with one of their own, sometimes the hardest to forget. John goes on with the story, he says, A week later, the ten were gathered in the house, and this time Thomas was with them. Now, I'll be honest, I've read through that as a minor detail for most of my life, but as I was preparing for today, I said, Thomas was with them. Thomas, the guy who got him, Thomas called the disciples liars. They said, Jesus is alive. He said, I won't believe it. That's calling them liars. Thomas, who had doubted and who had accused the disciples of lying, was still with them. They had not broken fellowship with him in that week. They offered Thomas peace. They offered Thomas forgiveness, even though there's no sign that he asked for it. They continued to include him in their group, even though he rejected their story. Wow, what an example Jesus set for them. What an example they set for us. Too often in the church today, even if somebody doesn't agree with us exactly, we want to push them away, but the disciples had a way of saying, no, come closer. So after a week of living together, of still getting along, Thomas was with them, and Jesus appears again. And he addresses Thomas in particular. He said, Thomas, what you need? You want to see my hands? You want to see the side? Come check me out and believe. There's no condemnation. There's no scolding. No judgment. Jesus shows up and he gives Thomas what he needed. To be honest, he gives Thomas what he had given the other ten. We do like to give Thomas a hard time. But read that first story again. Jesus showed his hands and his side to the first ten. Too, and they believed. So now he offers Thomas the same thing he offered the others. And then, and then he also believes. You know, I am so grateful that the disciples responded to Thomas that way. I'm even more thankful that Jesus responded to Thomas the way they did. Because I can still be a lot like Thomas. Even after being a Christian for all these years, I still sympathize with Thomas a lot. I believe our story, and yet sometimes I still struggle with unbelief. I still struggle with doubt. I might be the only one, but I'm guessing that probably you do as well. And Jesus comes to us, not with judgment, but with acceptance, with grace, with forgiveness. We may be struggling with doubts right now. I, I, have, I have my questions during this time. Why do we have to go through all of this? Why of all places must the sanctuary be empty? Why are people suffering the way that they're suffering now? Why have so many thousands of people died? When will this all come to an end? We, we're racked with doubt sometimes. But I'm confident of this that there is a God and that God is still trustworthy. That God meets us where we are, and that God gives us what we need to continue to believe. This pandemic will not have the final word. We are people of the resurrection. Christ gets the final word, and Christ loves So I want to invite us to do two things. As we think about the resurrection, as we think about the story and the calling that God has placed on us, I want to invite us to do two things. Number one, I want to invite us to engage other people with the same kind of peace and forgiveness with which Jesus engaged us. We can do things to create a space for those that don't believe our story yet. We can provide an opportunity for conversation with people who doubt or who even absolutely reject what we believe. We can continue to live in peace and love and forgiveness with them and perhaps open the door for another Jesus experience. And so one thing I would ask us to do is to follow Jesus' teaching to live with one another in peace and forgiveness. That we reach out with whatever expressions of love are available to us even now through phone calls and letters and cards, text, Facebook messages. Let's continue to love one another. The second thing that I would ask that we do is that we that we become real honest with God. I I know from time to time in my life, I have been reluctant to tell God my fears and my doubts. But God can take it. And so I invite you to be honest with God. If you're struggling in this time, tell God you're struggling. If you're doubting God's power in this time, tell God about your doubts. If you are hopeful in this time, talk to God about your hope, but be honest with God about who you are because what we see in Thomas' story is a God who meets us where we are. Thomas needed help believing. Jesus was willing to give the help. He'll do no less for us. So I'm thankful for the story. And I'm trying to remember during these days that we have a God who loves the Thomases of the world so much that he meets us where we are. May we see Jesus this week. Amen.